Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and a warm, warm welcome to episode 50 of Collective Wisdom, which is a bit of a pinch me moment as I really didn't even contemplate getting as far as 50 episodes when I first started this podcast a year ago. And to celebrate the 50th episode, I have a really incredible guest to share with you. Dr. Sam Collins is an amazing coach, an entrepreneur, and you'll hear all about the work she does with her groundbreaking organization, Aspire for Equality, in the intro. But her superpower is being an inspirational and empowering leader who works consistently and relentlessly as an advocate for the underrepresented voices of women across the globe. As you'll hear, my heart really goes out to Sam, who agreed to join me even though her family is facing a really tough and challenging time at the moment. We talk about following your intuition, how to stay motivated when times are tough, and how to give yourself the best chance of overcoming the challenges that life inevitably throws at us all at some point. If you're currently facing a challenge yourself, I do hope that her wise advice will help you to keep putting one foot in front of the other and get you through it. And I'd encourage you to read her book, Radio Heaven, as it may just spark something inside you or help you feel just that little bit less alone. I was so absorbed in the conversation that I completely lost track of time, but I'm secretly hoping that this is only part one and we can get Sam back as I really want to keep in touch with this amazing woman. Although we didn't actually get time to talk about music, it seems only fitting that Sam gets to add something to the playlist as she wrote a whole book about those little moments where a seemingly chance encounter or a song lyric give you that little nudge that you're right on track or that perhaps someone's watching over you. I reached out to her afterwards and she said that a current favourite is Rescue by Laura Dingle. And wow, it's a fantastic song for reconnecting you to your heart and finding motivation to carry on. Laura has such a strong voice, which reminded me a little bit of Adele, and the lyrics are beautiful. As for wisdom, I think Sam shared so much of what she's learned from her lived experience of finding courage in the face of adversity and building strong connections and relationships. But having listened back to the interview, I'd say the gold nugget I'd take away from it is this. Always be challenging the status quo. We're living through an incredible time when we've had everything about our status quo challenged, from whether we go to an office to work or whether exams are indeed the best way to reflect achievement in our education system. We've been forced to question the it can't be done or it can only be done this way by necessity and discovered that often there are alternatives, and sometimes they're even an improvement on the current status quo. I've heard it said that status quo can be the greatest challenge to progress. I love Sam's determination and the way that she embodies that wisdom in the way she lives and works. I really think there's a lesson there for us all.
Joining me today, I have executive coach, equality advocate, social entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Sam Collins, who has amongst her really impressive string of accolades been counted in a list of the top 200 women to impact business and industry by Her Majesty the Queen, as well as being named by the Sunday Times as being one of the top 10 coaches in the UK. Her PhD explored the future of work for women as leaders, and spending time with her leaves you in no doubt that she is indeed a passionate and driven thought leader in this field. She's also the founder of the Aspire for Equality Foundation, which for the past 20 years has been dedicated to social change and empowering women all over the world through a powerful mix of coaching events, consulting, fundraising and mentoring. Now a global movement, Aspire has positively influenced the lives of more than 16 million women and girls from all walks of life across the globe. But what I find most compelling about Sam is her own story, which she tells so endearingly in her best-selling memoir, Radio Heaven, One Woman's Journey to Grace. It's funny and honest and a book that will inspire anyone who's ever been told you can't or we don't do things that way to challenge the status quo. It's the touching story of Sam's own struggles when she lost her mum when she was only 21 and her journey to find healing that has ultimately led her on this lifelong mission to help empower other women. Now a proud mother of three herself, including her daughter Grace, an orphan from the Democratic Republic of Congo, who she and her husband Robert adopted when she was four years old. I've had the pleasure of attending some of the virtual events run by Aspire and had the magical experience of attending a day-long coaching session with Sam in person recently. And what comes across most strongly is her compassion for people, for seeing their very best qualities, and for helping to ignite the spark of human potential everywhere. As she puts it herself, her philosophy is simple. Be a good person, work hard, and make the biggest difference to others that you can, and you'll be recognized for it. So Sam, I'm indebted to you for joining me today. I know how busy you are. You have so much going on. And yeah, I love that philosophy and how it just makes you a natural fit around here. So tell us, if you will, just a bit more about Aspire and the work they do and what first motivated you to start it. First of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. You've got such a lovely voice. It was like, I was listening to your voice. <laughs> so, so, so like you should be on the BBC or something, right? It's Aww. really, really lovely. And then I, I always have that moment when people are reading my biography of like, oh my goodness, you know, sometimes you just don't really recognize the things that yeah. we've done. And especially when we are, I've just turned 50. So the big, oh, primo. wow. Yeah. Big turn. So I was point. like, oh, she sounds quite cool. This person that she's talking about. So it's quite yeah. nice to know that it is, it is me. Um, I, to answer your question. So I started Aspire when I was 29 and um, I thought I was really old at the time you know I was turning 30 uh, and <laughs> As you you know, every, I mean probably when I'm 70 I'd be like and I was turning 50 and I thought I was so old and all the 70 year olds would be giggling um but you know when we have these decade turners I think it is a real moment to reflect and as you had said, I had lost my mum when I was 21. And so those years between 21 and 29 had been quite a blur. Yeah. But in a number of ways, I think it had really helped me to go on a path 
that I probably never would have gone on if if my mum hadn't mm. have passed away when she had done when I was younger. So um, I wanted to do something. I was quite vague at the time. Um, I wanted to do something where I could um, make a difference. I wanted to do something for women. And I wanted to do something where I could have more flexibility and work-life balance. I was at the time trying to think about the future, whereas maybe at one point I would have children and family mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to do something where I could have the time to be with my children. So um, to start my own business at the time or to start, you know, to start something like Aspire seemed like a really good option that would fulfill all of those yeah all of those things and it seems to have done that I mean you have an incredibly strong work ethic I say that's that comes through predominantly in the book it's um you even describe yourself as a bit of a workaholic but what I love is that you've you've kind of come to these places and then you've resolved that for yourself when things have got out of kilter it's almost using that as a propelling force okay it's this is not working so what can I do to change that and I loved what you said about it was actually your husband Robert who who sort of inspired you to even try working less because I think when when people hear about this you know all the things you've done the first sort of for me especially it's like oh gosh you must spend all of your time just dedicated to that but I think what I love about your story is how you have really lent into that balance and finding ways of honoring what's important to you. So the family is really important as is the work. So how, you know, you, you, you highlighted in the book that Robert suggested you stop at one o'clock in the end. I mean, having put in the work, but how do you now, do you have a check-in with yourself? Do you, do you, have an audit once a year what's the process for sort of making sure that that stays balanced it's a a really good question because people say to me all the time and i think you said it at the start you know i know how busy you are and i'm actually not that busy (laughs) (laughs) i don't really like i'm quite i don't know if i'm i wouldn't really describe myself as lazy people would probably laugh if use that word but i don't like working really really hard Mm. I, I, you know, like I don't like working all the hours. I, d- I just, I, I just don't like it. it. It makes me feel grumpy. It, I don't want to be one of those people that works 12, 15 hours a day. And I never have. No. So I think that I, I thought to myself, if I work for a big company or something, then probably I will have to do that. <laughs> maybe it's just my my natural laziness I don't know but I thought if I work for myself I would probably have more flexibility and for me that has has happened so I I try and focus on things that I really enjoy and are most impactful for me and I don't really do much else and so I think that there are lots of things that I probably could be doing but um, I, I focus on things I enjoy and I focus on things that I'm good at and I focus on things that can have a high impact. So I'm always thinking to myself, what can I do? This is sort of my secret source, if you like. Like, what can mm-hmm. I do that's in the minimum amount of time, yeah. <laughs> the maximum impact that can be financially rewarding as well so that I can do the things I need for my family and so that I can do the things I want to do and aspire 
and I've always really believed in financial freedom because otherwise, you know, you can't do the things you want to do. If I want to do a campaign, I want to do something not for profit. It's hard to do if you're worried about, you know, if you're worried about money. So I don't actually work that hard. I think I work a lot harder on family related stuff, especially Mm. because I've got, you know, three teenagers now and I've, and I've sort of learned that, um, it's all becomes a bit of a, anyone with teenagers will know it's an emotional roller coaster. So there's a lot more work to do. Like my to-do list is a lot longer to do with my kids these days right. than it is to do with Aspire. So I like to have that flexibility as well of saying, okay, I'll do more Aspire work right now, or I could do less, you know, I can, I can sort of ramp it up or ramp it down depending on what's going on, you know, outside of um, Aspire as well. So yeah, I I think that's how I do it. So it's not difficult to finish a time, a decent time. I don't have to make myself do it because I want to go out for a walk. I want to spend time with my husband. I want to do the things, you know, I've got my daughters at home right now. So I want to do things with her. So I don't, it's not really hard. It's not really hard to stop. So it's allowing you to really put put the effort in where your priorities are, which I think for so many people, I mean, I, I work as a coach and that is the biggest challenge is I, there is not enough time, you know, but actually I think what you've done and you're so good at is helping people change perspective. You know, it's like, how true is it that there's no time and how true is it that you have to do all the things that you think you have to do? I loved what you were saying about, you know, what's the most effective way I can behave this week? What's, what's, what's the thing that I, I really gravitate towards. And by that, you know, for some people that, that feels like, oh, um, if I only do the things that are fun, I won't actually move forward. And yet you seem to have this way of, I guess it's being honest with yourself about doing the hard stuff, even, you know, in amongst what, what I'm good at. And I guess what it, what it is, 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 you have a following of people, you build great teams. I mean, I've seen the people who work alongside you. They're all really there because they want to be there. So I suppose the question really is more about that form of leadership. It's leadership of yourself, first of all, mm-hmm. which I think you do really, really well. And then that leadership of others. And do you have any insight as to how you've kind of built that i mean some of some of what comes across in the book is it's by trial and error it's you know you didn't just walk out of into this space you've had different experiences often setbacks are your biggest learnings but now you've got to a space where what would you say about leadership and building good teams well i would definitely say i'm not a natural leader okay i I have to sort of think about it I think I'm quite good at leading myself but when it comes to leading other people of course it gets a lot more complicated because people are not like me everybody's different so you have to like really put, put, put a bit more effort in but I'm I'm a big believer in letting people do what they do well right. and sort of try and sort of basically kind of almost semi-ignoring everything else I think that um, when you do that and you let people, I know people talk about this a lot, but to actually put it into practice is not easy. You know, like recognizing what people's strengths are and then letting them run with those strengths. 
I think a lot of us still focus on people's weaknesses or things we find irritating or not working. And those, when you focus on those things, they do really blow out of proportion. And, and I'm very much, I've never been one for authority and hierarchy. So, you know, the people I work with, it's much more collaborative. Mm, that and, really comes across. I mean, I mean, yeah, it is, it's sort yeah. of living into leaning into that equality. That's what equality is about, isn't it? It's about not I'm above you. It, or it really is. But I think you have you. to, you have to sort of, I, 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 I like, this is going to feel like a, this is not the right word, but I was just talking to someone about it. Like I like the misfits. I like people. I like the runts of the, like people I work with you know somebody who's worked with me for a long time recently she's also got another job and the person and um, that I'm sorry hear my dog in the background there but the person that was recruiting her called me for a reference and she was sort of trying to get over the fact that this person doesn't have the traditional background and 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 I I was like well that doesn't matter what matters yeah. is the strengths so that's that's something that I think is really key and I think it's therefore I think what you have also done is you've given so many people probably without even realizing it huge breaks in that I guess what your superpower is is seeing that true potential even in the underdog and maybe that came from being someone who, you know, by your own definition, came from quite humble background and didn't have a sort of step up in life. But I think what you've done is so unequivocally. I mean, I, I remember one of the first interactions I had with you was by your own podcast, Stripped Back. And it was one of the early episodes and you interviewed a lady called Lily Lewis who's an ex-offender, she'd been in prison. And again, you know, could have been written off by, probably has been written off by some people in society. And yet you saw in her and brought out in her huge amounts of qualities. You know, she had, she had read Radio Heaven in prison and it had transformed her experience. She turned her life around as a result. And I mean, that in itself must be, wow, that makes the book worth writing but it's that capacity to see the potential in people no matter what yeah I, I mean and I'm also very persistent I mean I had to like ask Lily four times four or five times right before she agreed to do the podcast so I don't give up I'm sort of yeah you know annoying by stealth and i mean i i i think that you can see potential in people but they can't necessarily see it in themselves so you say like i would love to have you my podcast and they're kind of like why no <laughs> <laughs> okay and then and then she actually was going to do it and then she backed out one time and, and, and i mean i wasn't annoyed or anything i just said okay you know when you're ready but mm. if i say when you're ready she's never going to come back is it i'm ready now so so it was a, i sort of made a note i try and be efficient keep notes on things other than i forget and, yeah. and, and a couple of months I said, oh hi lily just you know do you want to do it now let's give it a shot it's going to be fine you know, lots of soothing um, and making sure that she's as comfortable as she can be. You can edit anything you don't like. Yeah. And, 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 and then she did it. And I think it is actually one of the best podcasts I've ever done. 
I, I would um, say wholeheartedly. It was it was amazingly powerful. And she's, yeah, she's, there's many, but there are so many people like that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in some ways, we're all underdogs in some way. Yeah. And, and I think that we, there's so much of what we do as coaches and in the personal development world is about helping people to recognize their own potential. But I think we need to be better at recognizing other people's potential. Yeah. And helping yeah. and being advocates for other people and helping them to see it, especially if they are non-traditional, you know, or countercultural in some way. And if you are non-traditional or countercultural in some way, it's hard to see your own potential because the whole world around you, which can include your family or your boss or society or whatever, will be telling you something quite different. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think it's that that keeps you small and keeps you sort of hidden and and from wanting to tell your story or i mean so much of your work is actually i think that's what connects me to you is is it's story driven it's you know the book is so well written i i loved your story about the fact that you're even dyslexic writing doesn't come naturally to you and you and yet you you tell these stories so naturally um i mean in a way, I feel like I just need to introduce even the concept of Radio Heaven, just for my listeners who maybe haven't sort of read the book or heard about you. What, how would you describe what Radio Heaven is? Radio Heaven is actually a phrase that my mum used to use when we were driving in the car and um, she wasn't a fabulous driver, <laughs> and which was a little bit unnerving. So she would be um, listening to music really loudly on the radio the 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 window would be down you know in the days when you would wind the window down and she'd be smoking a marlboro out of the window so i'd be like coughing and on the other side of the um car listening to music but when a song would come on the radio that would have like particular relevance for her in, in terms of like something that was going on in life or a motivation or something she would say oh sam it's, a, it's radio heaven like meaning yeah. that it's a song that's being played on our behalf by you know someone who's passed so if you've ever had that situation you know to, um, you, you're, in, you're in a shop and you listen to something and you hear something or you hear something on the radio or in the car and it's almost like oh that song was meant for me today like yeah. I needed to hear that song, whether it's something happy or sad or whatever it is, that's what Radio Heaven is. So the book builds on that idea of being able to be attuned and listen to signs. Mm. Whether and that sign is, almost. yeah, your intuition and and that and and you know, because we walk around the world and there's signs everywhere. Yeah. You know, whether it's oh, I got an email I didn't expect, or I bumped into that person. And why did I bump into that person? And people will say, oh, coincidence. Oh, well, that's weird. But is it really like my, my belief that it's almost sort of meant to be and that there are signs out for us, but yeah. we don't always listen to them. And when we do listen to them or when we do see them and notice them, life is better and we feel almost guided and protected in some way that we're not alone and there yeah. are things path for us to follow and sometimes we just need a little help from whatever we believe in to kind of guide us on the right way so that's what that's what radio heaven means yeah and i think that's what you're building i think that's the key to that it maybe it's not leadership in in kind of inverted commas that's what we look at as leadership but you're building communities and connection that help people feel that level of support 
not necessarily always from from a song on the radio or a lyric that they needed to hear. It's because they literally attended an event and heard a story that inspired them to connect with somebody. And it's that sense of not being alone. You just said it. You know, I think for so many people, what keeps them stuck is that feeling of I'm on my own. I've got to do all this myself. And what you bring to the table through that is oh, there are, there's always someone and people like to help. And if you tell them your story or tell them, you know, what's going on for you, then that gives them a little bit of an angle into how to help. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a very su supportive, generally, community that you build. Now, I was really interested in the whole, the techniques you use are now becoming a little bit more mainstream, but you've been using them for the last 20 years, in, in, including things like visualization. And, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, it's, it's everyone's talking about manifestation at the moment, but you really have been mixing sort of left brain coaching and logical um, CEOs and boardrooms with what is it you actually want? Get really up close and and specific and personal about that. And I'd love it if you just share, I mean, even like the story about how you met Robert, your husband, it's just a magical story because it's so much about that intuitive hits and, and listening out for moments where you're taken in a different direction. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I've always been a big fan of, of anything that's a bit more different, but I think that the main idea for me is with these techniques, and I, I, they're known as transrational techniques. So transrational techniques are, are, are in my opinion, often powerful and more, and deeper and, and more transformational than some of the logical, logical stuff. I think they can be really complemented with logical coaching, mm. but, uh, you know, to enable people to really figure out what they need to do and to be able to tap into their intuition. You, you know, there's so much um, research and evidence now that these are actually can be more effective than pure, yeah. Um, yeah. pure logic. So um, I think the first time I was introduced to anything like this was sort of way back when I started Aspire and I did a vision board and I was encouraged to do a vision board and I had never even heard of what a vision board was. And I I did do this vision board that had a picture on it of, of someone that looks very much like my husband. Um, and, and so I always use that as sort of evidence for the cynics <laughs> because I, you know, I cut out this picture of, of, of a man um, and uh, two months later, I, I, Rob, I had met him and that, you know, if you put the photograph of, of the actual real Robert compared to the photograph of the, the magazine picture that I'd cut out, they look extremely alike. Yeah. So, um, you know, there is definitely something out there in terms of sort of manifestation and, um, uh, being able to really, you know, intuit these things, but it's not, you know, it's not sort of pure magic. People say, okay, you know, I'll put a picture of George Clooney on there or something. And does that mean I'm going to meet him? And, um, I, after I did the vision board, I still had to actually take some action and listen to my intuition and kind of leap a bit outside of my comfort zone. And it was a, a couple of weeks after I'd done the vision board that I got an email in my inbox, you know, one of these emails inviting me to go to a conference. And I remember thinking that normally would be something that I would delete and think, oh, I don't have the money for that or the time for that or mm. whatever it is. And I didn't. I sort of was looking at it and I just sort of thought, no, you know what? That looks really interesting. 
and an exciting it was an, an exciting it was an international coach federation conference and it was also in america and i wanted to live in america it wasn't in california where i really wanted to live but i thought well you know it's closer it's on the way, it's on the way. and so i did sort of take a leap and sign up for this conference and and go to it and that's where i met robert so you know, I, I think it's this combination, like you say, cat of left brain and right brain, because mm -hmm. the right brain was doing the vision board, but the left brain was actually taking some action and doing something about it. So we sort of complement these two things together. I wasn't just sort of looking at the vision board every day, staring at it wistfully. And no, no, and I think it point, is. Yeah, someone's that... going to stare at my You're knock very... at my door you're clearly very action biased you know you've you've always taken those sort of right what's the next step what's the next step and i'm wondering if you know it is also a bit of it's not just taking an action it must have taken some courage sometimes to you know you don't just stand up on stage and and obviously you don't get straight to the point where people are asking you to stand up in, on stage in front of a lot of people but there must have been times where you've taken action that felt maybe I, I don't actually really even know that I want to do this. It's it's a brave thing to have to do. Would you say that's true? I think, you know, when I sort of ask myself a bit more deeply, is this the right thing to do? Like, is it the right thing for me to go to this conference? The answer was yes. Mm, but mm. then, you know, people say to you, why are you doing that? You know, what's that? What do you have? And the, you know, the doubts start creeping yeah, in. Other people's sort of judgment of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, other people's judgment, and then your own judgment, and you sort of start to doubt yourself. Yeah, that's the stuff that's really difficult to sort of unravel. And you do sort of have to. Why well, have to kind of try and stick to that initial gut feeling? because that's the one that's normally right. People find it's quite hard to sort of unravel what is that authentic gut feeling, mm. authentic self, intuitive feeling, what is a fear feeling. And so, you know, I'm doing some new training next year about coaching in the body, somatic coaching, because yeah. I think there's so much that we can learn from how we feel about things. And I always found that a bit like hokey cokey before I will tell you, but I'm really understanding the importance of that and the importance of really understanding and tuning into our, um, our body and our intuition yeah. and really understanding how the brain works from more of a logical level into more of a creativity level. And there's tons of really great stuff out there on that yeah. now. And, you know, many places you can go to, to learn these, these skills. And, and I, I'm really pushing myself next year. Like I'm doing some courses on psychic ability. I'm doing some courses on channeling. I'm doing some courses on intuition and somatic coaching, because I think the more that you expose the more that I expose myself to new ideas, mm. um, the more that I can learn, the more that some of the things that were not so mainstream, you know, not, not main, or still psychic ability, still not mainstream, but we all have psychic ability in some way. It just is always seen as a bit out there. But actually, when you start to learn about it and actually do some decent training on it, you can understand that, you know, we can all walk down the street and have a feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. We can oh, all have I a dream it. about something. We can always say, oh, you know, I, I knew that was we also, I knew that was gonna happen. We can yeah. and, and then it did happen. Standing on the back of your head yeah, or all of this yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And and I think to be able to really use that effectively is something that I'm really interested in right now. Oh, I I'm a hundred percent with you. And I think that it's something that we were when we were a little bit closer to nature. Historically, we, you know, as, as, as a species, human beings were 
much more attuned to changes in, you know, the, our sense of smell. And it, we would literally use all five senses to help us survive. It was, it was much more important. And I think that's, that's something we've lost connection with the, the, the further away we are from nature and being outside all the time. And, you know, the fact we don't, we don't forage for our own food anymore. And, you know, other than going to the supermarket, it's that it makes perfect sense to me, actually, that we have all these senses, but we kind of dumb them down a little bit and, and over-rationalize at times. That's a very, yeah, a very sort of right-brained way of, even the right-brain, left-brain way of thinking. And I've, I've, it's been put to me before that, you know, if you're not, if you're not tuning into those senses, your gut and your heart and the, and the, you know, all the ancient wisdom is your heart in it. And what's your gut telling you that you're not actually using all of your full, full sort of exposure to, you know, to, to, to help you be guided to, 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 to use as a compass. So yeah, that's going to be really exciting to hear more about what comes out of it. And I think the other thing that comes across for me is, um, that your your subconscious brain doesn't know the difference between when something's real and when you're pretending so that you really can if you can tune into bringing your subconscious on board with something that can often give you permission to to do something outside of that comfort zone or not sit there and say oh I'll do that in a minute I'll you know I I think that's so powerful so powerful so when it comes to um, challenges, I, I mean, I, I think you tell so compellingly, so beautifully, the ultimate challenge in your in your life came when you were twenty one and losing your mum so suddenly, and that has been a such a formative thing that sort of literally propelled you, but also become part of the way you've helped her legacy live on by just going out into the world and and really changing the perspective of so many people and, and bringing this face of equality. But when it comes to challenges now, what, what sort of comes up for you? Do you, do you face challenges on a, on a daily basis? <laughs> I'm laughing because um, I'm, I'm currently in one of the biggest challenges of my life. I don't know whether it's as big as what happened with my mom, but it's very close. Wow. So I, I think that when it comes to um, challenges, I've noticed I sort of have a mode that I go into. Um, and I, I, I kind of go into very um, pragmatic directive mode. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's where I go and I, I'm starting to really recognize that's what I do but I think that's something that that happened after my mom and it's happening now my daughter's very unwell but I do find that it's very helpful because I think when when we're in extremely emotional circumstances mm. and many many people right now with everything that's going on in the world right now we're in an ex, extreme emotional time and if we're not careful, we just get swept away with that emotion. So I think the biggest thing for me right now, and for many people, is to be incredibly grounded in the pragmatism yeah. of the here and now. What is it that we can and can't do? Um, what is needed? And to it's not that we don't feel the emotion of a situation. 
but that we are able to be grounded in it. So it's kind of like being the calm in the storm, mm. if you like, the, yeah, eye yeah, of the, yeah. the eye of the tornado, even when everything around us is sort of like, you know, in that scene in, in, in Wizard of Oz where everything is flying around and you're sort of getting smacked in the face with things and you wonder what's going to happen next. We have to be able to not fly off. And that is an incredible challenge for many, many people because what we're being asked to do right now, what we're being asked to handle is way beyond the capacity that we expected for our lives. And so the capacity, I call it capacity, a lot of people call it comfort zone, but we have a certain level where, okay, I can deal with that. And then, you know, yeah. over the years, that kind of slightly expands as we get older and we deal with more things. But that's being stretched right now to a very, you know, very big limit. With everything that's happening in the world, suddenly we're on lockdown again, or suddenly we're home working again, or suddenly we lose our job, or suddenly we lose a, a, a parent or a friend, or someone gets sick or we get sick. And we're adding, we're adding on to an, incre- an already full capacity absolutely absolutely so i think in those times uh for me what i find i find comfort in knowledge and i find comfort in pragmatism so really Mm. educating myself so that i can have conversations uh intelligent conversations about what's happening and also to be very pragmatic about what needs to be done and I even have a to, you know, to-do list of all the mm. things that need to be done. And I get comfort in achieving those things and ticking them off the list. Yeah. And I'm getting a sense that you're almost, so that, that pragmatism comes in the form of like creating the space. This is now where my priority needs to be so I can then absolutely address it. But that's a very pragmatic, okay, I'm just going to clear some space here. I'm going to make sure that this is where my focus is because this is very important to me at the moment it's that real um i guess it's it it is it's uh it's it's that we go into that in in emergencies it's like let's just get through and not think about the bigger picture for now because that's just going to send us into this tailspin of even not moving not 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 making any any sort of moves at all you you sort of go into a kind of a, a fright mode where you just you just freeze you just stay in this stasis rather than okay what's the what's the next thing that I can do that might help with this. Yeah, I, I think it, it it is that definitely. And, and, you know, sort of when I reflect on it a little bit, I think that it's staying very, I mean, I'm a very sort of long-term goal vision type person, as you know, but I think it's about being in that moment and saying, what do I want to do now? What needs to happen now? Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that I would let go of other things that are important to me. So I'd still make sure I'm exercising and still make sure that I'm doing my Aspire work because it gives me such comfort and it gives me such yeah. peace and it gives me such um, of a sense of, of purpose and fulfillment. And, and so those kind of big rocks are important. If those big rocks go, and I think this is what a lot of people do, they say, okay, I'm in emergency mode. I can't possibly go for a walk. I can't possibly mm. work right mm. now. Um, but I keep hold of those things because they give me sanity and they, and they enable me to stay on track. And to your point as well, I, I, I do this walk where I walk up this very steep hill because we, where we live is quite high. 
and so I, I walk a loop and then the last part of the walk is uphill and it's a good kind of 15 minutes uphill mm. and I did this experiment where one day I walked up the hill sort of turning and it's hard to get up this hill right yeah <laughs> not easy hill and I'm turning around and I'm looking back at how far I've come to kind of give me motivation to say okay look come on Sam you've come that far and you have you know so much left to go and I timed myself going up the hill and I also sort of felt like how did it feel looking back and then the next day I was trying to be a scientist about it you know the same amount of breakfast same amount of sleep and everything the next day I stayed looking forward like just looking at the destination at the top of the hill like okay like how far have I got left to go? That's where I'm going, I'm going home. Did it that way. And then the third day, I looked at my feet the whole way up. Wow. All right. So which day do you think I did the fastest? I love, I, I'm going to add in another piece of, around your PhD, but I love the way you do this. You bring this back to the person you're asking. So looking behind you, I would say instinctively, would help you feel a sense of, wow, I'm, I'm nearly there. I'm nearly there. Haven't I done well? Looking ahead could make me feel, oh God, I've still got all this to do. And looking at my feet, I guess, takes you out of where the, where you are. So I would actually instinctively say, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't even think about the destination. Don't think about where you've come. That would be yeah, my answer. Absolutely bang on. So I, I was fastest when I just was looking at my feet and it was more enjoyable because it's kind of exhausting to look back. Right, right. And it was quite exhausting to look ahead like, oh, okay, yeah. I've got all that I've got all that left to go or I've got oh, I've done that far but I've still got so much left to go. And I was just looking at my feet, focusing on my feet, focusing on the moment, just keep going. My mind yeah. went off to think about other things. And it was a lot more enjoyable and I got there a lot faster. So it was kind of an interesting experiment for me, but I think it's this point that we're talking about like right now, focus on your feet. But that is, that is such a wonderful metaphor. And again, it comes back to your storytelling. You've always got a way of illustrating things, which helps people remember, oh yeah, okay. This is a moment where I just need to look at my feet. I'm in a challenge. I'm in a bit of a rut. Let's not think about what happened yesterday. Let's not think, let's definitely not think about what might happen tomorrow. Let's just think about the here and now. It's fabulous. Yeah. You know, that is yeah. brilliant. And the here and now could be 20 minutes sleep. The here and now yeah, could be yeah. to have a glass of water. The here and now could be to take a breath. The here and now could be, I mean, I was in, I was sitting in the ICU <laughs> with my daughter a few weeks ago. I'm laughing. I shouldn't really be laughing, but, and you know, everything was crazy making, but then I was like, okay, for the next hour, I'm going to upload some events onto the Aspire website because it needs yeah. to be done. It's not too taxing on my mind. And it's going to make me feel really good to know that those events are uploaded. So yeah, I was sitting there for an hour hours, doing that. Yeah, I just focused yeah. on my feet. And then I was really happy with myself that they were up because it had been playing on my mind. I wanted to get it done. Yeah. But then my husband came in, he goes, what have you been doing? I said, oh, I've been uploading events. He goes, how? <laughs> how did you manage to Were you doing that? That is so insightful. And I think it is, it is great advice, honestly. It's not always easy to do, as you say, but it's, it's that moment where actually it's a little bit of like putting your own oxygen mask on first you know if you don't take care of yourself there is no way you can be there for your daughter who clearly is going to need you to be super strong for her i mean it's just such a it's such a difficult thing isn't it when something's so far out of your control um like illness i do wonder though with you especially because you have 
endured and, and, and come through so many things and been so good at remembering those by, by writing them down, telling those stories, that just having that as a resource, knowing, you know, this too will pass, that kind of philosophy of just, I know what's good for me here. I know what I have to do to stay strong, to really be the best support I can be is, is huge. Yeah, I mean, I think when you, we all have adversity and, and you know, you, you can kind of go back and say, okay, well, if, if I've been through that, I could be through things, but go through other things. It doesn't make it, it's still hard. I like to see the funny side of things yeah, yeah. a lot. So obviously it's not funny when your you know, family member is in the hospital, but there are funny aspects of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I do find that quite amusing. Some I try and always find the funny side of things. And I always I always sort of um, you know, with my passion for equality and diversity, you know, dealing dealing with many traditional people, and you sort of I smile to myself when they sort of stereotype older white doctor comes in the room and I smile to myself when the young woman of colour comes into the room and yeah. how things are approached differently and the different insights that you get and, and I was you know it's sort of I sort of see life as a bit of an experiment sometimes and so I'm sort of watching all these things happening and, and finding it quite amusing. You're a great observer of life, for sure. Yeah, I, I do I do really that. enjoy that you know I do really enjoy that and I enjoy stereotypes that people make about me so you know I'm the little mum that doesn't know anything but overnight I've studied I've spent the last seven hours overnight studying this particular disease that they're telling me that she has mm. and so in the morning I've got all of these questions which are incredibly articulate about what's happening so I do love it when they sort of look at me like Wow. How do you know that? <laughs> How do you know that stuff? Yeah. And they said to me, they said, oh, you're a doctor. You sound like you're a doctor. And I said, well, I'm a doctor, but not the same kind of doctor as you. So yeah. it's, I, I do think I, do, I like that. I find that quite, I do find that quite amusing and, and fun. So, and it must be, it must be, I mean, hopefully the fact you've said that she's now back at home, that is progress. I mean, it's just so, so hard watching someone close to you be that ill I mean it's it's just terrible I mean it yeah of course it is but again I do think that that's just sort of a bit of the story of my life mm. it's never been really easy I mean and I we I was we were laughing so I sort of said to her you could have got the flu or, you know, or maybe even COVID, maybe you could have dealt yeah. with COVID, but no, you have to get yourself some rare brain disease. As we were just sort of laughing about it, because it just, I always think to myself, it, it's testing me as well, like my limits and mm. my capacity. And it's also help, helping me to really understand a whole area that I didn't know anything about. Um, which impacts a lot of mental health issues as well, which is something I'm passionate about. Yeah. So I find myself, it's made me learn. It's made me become more educated on a number of issues that I kind of knew about, but not really that much. And it makes me think about the longer term as well, where 
it will help me make a difference through Aspire because of this experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think that's, and my daughter's fabulous, right? She's going to be fine. And, yeah. you know, she's in a tough spot right now. But, in, you know, even now she's like, you know, I should tell this story at your next conference. And, and, and I can absolutely see her doing that. Um, and so that's a great, you know, however you want to think about these things, but sort of on a more spiritual level, at some point, I believe in these things. She made this, she wanted to do these things. I wanted, she picked me, I picked her and we said, okay, we're going to do these things for the sake of sake of being able to make a bigger difference. And so if it wasn't happening to her and our family in this way, I don't believe that we would be able to get to where we need to get to wherever that is. Yeah, no. And I think it's that, it's that sort of hope, faith, positivity, optimism that you carry with you that's got you through so many other things. And that's, it, it just feels at the moment, like you're in the middle, you're still in the middle of a story that's, that's just resolving itself, but having you as an advocate to help navigate all these different doctors and their different advice is going to be, is going to be a sort of rock solid approach, I think, to, to getting to where you need to be. And it, it, it just feels like there's just this underlying philosophy that you bring to the table and it shows up in everything you do, you know, whether you're leading a coaching session, whether you're leading a spire, whether you're encouraging someone to put their best foot forward, whether you're helping someone navigate illness, you know, it's that same underlying kind of courage of your conviction, which is just so powerful. Um, no, well, I will really not accept the status quo. Yeah. That's, you know, I will, that's I will I mean. not, I will not accept it. And, and I, I don't really believe in it. I think it has to be constantly, constantly cutting, uh, challenged, constantly looked at. Yeah. I mean, my husband is, 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 is so different. He's great. You know, he, he, if, if someone in authority, like a doctor or a teacher or something will say, um, you need to do this. He's like, okay. And if, but yeah, if that, that would be me if, as well. That would be yeah, okay, okay, if somebody, the says. <laughs> if someone says to me, you need to do this. I'm like, why? You know, and I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it's very annoying. And my older son is exactly the same. And I said, well, you know, and, and I, it's, it, it's hard work to be around people like that because right. they are constantly, I'm constantly pushing. I'm a pushy, difficult, annoying, irritating, inspiring, empowering person. And I, you know, I own them all. And I think that I, that's my life's purpose, right? Just to keep pushing that. But you push it without just being obstinate. You push it by researching it, by looking at it, by investigating it. You know, this brings me back to the, the, the thing I was going to say to you, you drew that beautiful metaphor for, okay, if you're in, in the thick of something, just look at your feet, put, put the next foot, foot forward. But when we were talking at, on the, in the coaching session, you had this wonderful way of, it was like a traffic light system for what can help you move forward with your goals. And there were three different types of action, red, amber, and green. And you're going to have to pick it up from here and describe that, you know, again, it was put to us, which one do you think is most likely to be the sort of behavior that actually helps you achieve your end goals. And that came out of your PhD. I mean, I, I just thought it was fascinating. Well, the least likely one is the amber, because that's more like, you know, how you approach things, being a bit more middle of the road, making wanting things to be more doable. And I think many of us 
operate that way we don't want to be too idealistic and we don't want to be too realistic so we're a bit middle of the road but actually that was the least likely to achieve things so which i thought was kind of the most interesting um but people who are more possibility focused who do challenge things who do say well why not just because Mm. there isn't we were looking for role models you say okay well there's no female role models so therefore i can't do it that's a much more red attitude you know, we have to have that trajectory of an example. Unless there's somebody that's gone before me that I can say, okay, this is this is definitely doable. Yeah, but if you're more, stuck. well, why not? You know, so, so people who are a bit more pioneering who say, well, why not, why not me, sort of are pushing against those, those boundaries, uh, that they're more likely to get those things. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so I, I do think that how we think is really key and to question how we think and to say to ourselves, maybe I need to push myself a bit more, maybe I need to stretch myself a bit more, just because there isn't an example. Because I just because I don't know anyone that hasn't started their own business doesn't mean I can't. Yeah. Just because yeah, yeah, there yeah. isn't um a woman of colour in on my board doesn't mean I can't be the first. Yeah. I think those are the those are the attitudes that we really need right now. Even when we're exhausted and thinking, oh, it's just too hard it's just too tiring it's just going to be too much still keep looking at our feet absolutely absolutely and that was a beautiful way of putting it again it it just helped you when you're when you're kind of middle of the roading it okay well that's fine but it's it's not going to get you very far is is just another way of of reminding yourself when you're looking i think all of this is about creating an awareness of your own behaviors and your own patterns and seeing whether that needs a little I mean that's that's for me what coaching is all about in the first place but you just have this way of so it's not obstinate challenging as in it's you know in different contexts it might be slightly more difficult to be around but I think that is your style of leadership it's like why not you know if somebody says well we can't do it like that well why not you know and 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 it's only by asking those questions that anything ever gets changed and that's what I think has been um, so so well documented in 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 uh, Radio Heaven. I think that's what attracts people to it. It's just, but you're not telling it from a sort of I've got this all right all the way along. You know, it's it's always been a sort of here's how I came to this understanding. Here's how I got to this point. There's a there's a. It's not self. It's just an underlying humility around it, which I think is quite rare. Often that that sheer bloody mindedness doesn't come with enough humility around it and so then we are left faced with it's my way or the highway Mm. which is which is a hard style of leadership to to sort of operate within and that's not what i see within you know all of the women who have anything to do with any of the aspire events are all motivated and just have have just yeah your your positivity is infectious it's it's really powerful stuff. Thank you. So that kind of brings me on to kindness because I think that's again what you do so well is you see the best in people, you certainly help them to to take that and move it forward. You know, I'm I'm sure you must have countless stories of people. I'd love to bring them all together, but you do at those events. You 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 actually get people in the same room who say because of this, I've been inspired to move forward with my own thing. You are creating little eddies across the world of people who are, who are saying, okay, yeah, it can be done. And I I might be the person to do it, um, which is brilliant. And I really appreciate the time you took to, um, to join me. 
Thank you very much for letting me be on your podcast. I love what you're doing. And I think that what you're doing is amazing. Thanks, Sam. Thank Brilliant. you. Bye now. An incredible conversation with an incredible woman. I hope you'll agree. And if you'd like to know more about Aspire and the work that Sam does, you can head over to the website at aspireforequality.co.uk. There are links to that in the show notes. And you'll find information about all the workshops and events that they host throughout the year. If you're listening to this before the end of January, I know there's a 50% discount on all the workshops on leadership and personal development that are hosted in both London and LA, or you can volunteer at some of the events to help out behind the scenes. You'll meet a wonderful community of women. Sam has this way of attracting really heart-centered humans into her space, and it can be a lot of fun. So that brings season five to a close. I'm going to be taking a couple of weeks break, but I'll be back in mid-February with a whole new season of very special guests to share their stories and their wisdom with us. Do take care in the meantime, and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.